Welcome to episode 20 of the Forward from 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward from 50, and your host for today's show. My goodness, it's been a while since I released an interview. I apologize for allowing life to get in the way. These have been some amazing stories I've been able to share, and I hope they inspire you as much as they've inspired me. You may have noticed that I rebranded this podcast from Passionate Purpose to the Forward from 50 podcast. The name just seemed to more... The name just seemed more closely aligned with my overall mission, which is to help men and women over the age of 50 to live more passionate, productive, and purposeful lives. Other than the name, nothing else will change, except I will be releasing a new episode every week under the Forward from 50 brand. You're going to enjoy today's interview. I'll be speaking with a man from California who creates videos specifically for seasoned citizens to help them make the most of the rest of their lives. Nick Litwanio's YouTube videos often focus on these four areas, making relationships count, maintaining good health to enjoy a longer productive life, keeping dreams alive and working to pursue them, remaining young at heart by pursuing adventure at any age. Nick has always been a content producer. In fact, he made a career out of creating content, whether written or video, for his clients. When COVID arrived and shut everything down, Nick seized upon the opportunity to make entertaining videos for people to enjoy while they were locked down as well. His early videos focused on physical fitness. As a certified personal trainer himself, Nick wanted to help people attain a level of fitness that would enable him to pursue whatever they wanted as they got older. But after realizing most people were more interested in videos about how to cut mangoes than they were about maintaining muscle tone, Nick altered his focus as well. He started producing entertaining videos about things he likes to do and providing life advice. He started a YouTube channel called Make the Most of the Rest of Your Life, which has more than 140 videos, many of which are just five or six minutes long. To tell us how making the most of the rest of your life has become his mantra in so many ways, please welcome videographer Nick Litwanio to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Nick. I really appreciate it. You branded yourself as the old guy YouTuber. How'd you come up with that moniker? Greg, uh, I guess the first part of that is uh, I am an old guy or I'm definitely getting there. And I wanted to make YouTube videos. I had a career as a content creator. I ran a creative agency and we made content for a lot of companies here in Northern California. And it was a successful career and I enjoyed it for the most part. But I got into this line of work because I liked to make content. I really enjoyed that process. When I was in college, it was something that I really enjoyed. As life unfolds, it turns out I was a lot better at working with clients, managing multiple projects and having other people make the content. That's how I was able to run the business and grow the business because making content is pretty time consuming. And when I sold my business, one of the things that I looked forward to was getting back to actually making the content again. And I really enjoy that process. And the other part of that, of course, is I'm doing it for myself and for the people that I want to reach 
as opposed to doing it for a client who is paying us money, having to color within the lines to give them good stuff and at the same time satisfy their needs. So yeah, that's a really long-winded way, I suppose, of saying I got back into YouTube because I wanted to make content that I wanted to make. So just pursuing your passions, the things you're interested in, not what the clients were paying you to provide. That is exactly 100% right. It was all about what does Nick want to do for the rest of his life. I was lucky enough to get into a situation where I'm 60 and I could retire. And I look down the road and I'm like, what do I want to do? What gives me joy? And it's risky, but this is really what I wanted to do. And so that's why I'm doing it. How did you come up with the ideas for the videos that you create? It's been an evolutionary process, Greg. At first, if you if people look at the channel and dig way back, there was a lot of fitness-related stuff because I thought people might be interested in that. I also became a personal trainer. I went to class and got my certificate. So in addition to doing the YouTube, I work several hours a week at my local gym working with people our age and helping them gain or, or get back in shape. So I kind of started with fitness stuff. And what I found is people either at this point in their life, most people are either doing fitness or they're not. And the last thing people of our age are going to do, apparently, is go on YouTube and watch people tell them how to get in shape. There is a challenge on YouTube with people who are in our demographic who tend to use the platform really just to look up how to cut a mango and don't follow people the way my daughter might or people who are younger. So the fitness thing really didn't work. And then I started to just do things that was, were interesting to me that I thought might be interesting to others. And that's why when you go to the channel, you will see things like travel. You will see things like fitness. You will see things like personalities. There's a mix of content that I made because I felt it was relevant to an audience like myself. And your content is focused on people who are over 50 as a general rule, correct? That is 100% correct, yeah. What I want to be able to do is to connect authentically with people in our demographic. And we know that in every phase of life, there are things that we're focused on. In our 20s, it might be finding a mate. In our 30s, it might be building the career and raising kids. When we get over 50 or, or over 60, we're focused on different things. And the beauty, of, uh, the beauty of YouTube, the beauty of the world we live in and the internet is I can create content with no overseer and put it out there, which means I can be authentic and honest. And as long as I'm willing to be like, hey, this is what it is and let go of the outcome. If we go back to this idea of no one's paying me to do this, not feeding my family, I'm not paying the mortgage with this, I can just be honest. And that's really where I'm coming from with this. I love that because it suggests that people over the age of 50 can still be relevant because there's no gatekeeper. They have an idea, they've got their wisdom, they've got their unique skills that they've developed over their lifetime. 
And now they can apply that to others and they don't need somebody else's permission to do that. I really enjoy that. I 100% agree with that. I think that we collectively are somewhat devalued as we get older and we fall into certain traps that society sets up and we think, oh, because I'm X age, I can't do Y. And it's just BS. There are no reasons why you can't pursue the things that turn you on. And having, I don't want to call it courage, just getting out of your own way and doing things, doing what you want to do is one of the gifts of being this age. And because I'm a personal trainer and because I, I, this is part of my worldview, that's where the, for me, that's where the fitness part of this comes in. I think that for most of us taking care of our body that is starting to break down and have problems, it's just going to allow us to excel in all these different areas of our life. And that's why I initially started with the fitness angle, because I think that we neglect our fitness, our health, and, and it, it hurts us down the road. If something happens to us, which something's going to happen, we can't come back as quick, we can't heal as quickly, or if we're going to travel or we want to play soccer with the grandkids or whatever it is we want to do, having a little bit of strength and flexibility is just going to allow us to live that much more, embrace the life that we want that much easier, I think. I like the name of your YouTube channel, Make the Most of the Rest of Your Life. Why did you come up with that? It took a lot of different titles to my channel from Disrupt Retirement to my name to I've gone through multiples because it took me a while to kind of land where I wanted with the channel. But that seems to sum up what I believe that we have an opportunity to create the lives that we want. If we're lucky enough to have a little money in the bank and have some security, then for the first time in my life, and maybe yours or your listeners, guardrails are off. Time is available. The things that maybe you are afraid to do, you can do. And making the most of the rest of your life kind of nods towards this idea that there is only a limited amount of time left. And it's up to us to go ahead and make it what you want it to be. And if my channel does anything, if someone sees me doing something on my channel and they look and they go, oh, wow, I can do that, then I've been successful. One of the things that my wife and I started doing a couple of years ago is going on van life trips where we go, we rent one of these vans that we sleep in and we go for a couple of weeks. And it has been eye-opening and wonderful. And we don't want to go in a motorhome because that's a little too big for us. It's going to be parking in certain types of places. When you have that small van, it allows you to be that much more mobile. And we were a little bit like, oh my goodness, how are we going to make this happen? You got this cramped bed we're going to sleep on and, you know, the bathroom's in the same area as we are. And there's reasons why you might go, oh, I don't know that I want to do this. But once we did it, we absolutely love it. And we took a chance and we said, we're going to do this. Let's give it a try. 
And this year is going to be our third year doing it. And in March, we're heading to Joshua Tree and Death Valley for 10 days. Isn't that funny though? Making the most of it. Isn't it funny when we were growing up, our parents said, if you don't buckle down and get serious about your life, you're going to wind up living by an, in a van by the river. And now that we're old enough, we say, that isn't a bad idea at all. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a pretty good idea. Now, I don't know if I'd want to live in it year round, but for sure, there's a lot to be learned. And that's an interesting point that you bring up there because our parents, right? I look at my grandparents. And I look at their lives because I was lucky enough to have them in my life and remember what they were doing at 60 and 70 and 80. And I look at my dad who passed away a few years ago, but what he was doing and I love them and I'm grateful to have them, but I don't want to live the life that, that they lived that was sedentary, that they ended up in the recliner. They ended up I don't want to say bitter, but they weren't embracing what is possible. They took the whole thing lying down, if you will. And that may have to do with the state of what was going on with healthcare and how we looked after our fitness and all those types of things. Because there is a reality here that as we get older, our bodies change and things become harder. I've had two hip replacements. I have shoulder issues. I've had injections in my lobe. I'm not one of these people who are going to tell you that, oh, I'm bulletproof because I'm not. I'm going to have stuff just like probably you and the people who are listening or reading about this. But that doesn't mean that it has to take you out of the game. I agree. One of the tragedies of getting older is this mention, this idea that we're going to someday be able to pursue these dreams. Someday we're going to travel. Someday we're going to go to Yosemite, like you said, or Joshua Tree, or Death Valley, any of these other fun places that have been on people's buckets list forever, but they keep postponing it and pushing it further and further away. And the tragedy of someday is that someday may never arrive, or when it does, they won't have the physical strength or the resources to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. I, you, you hit a spot for me that I, I care deeply about, which is that I hate this idea of bucket list, the things I need to do before I kick the bucket. And it builds these things up into bigger than I think that we have to view them at. It's almost like we put a barrier and oh, that's in my bucket list. That's not something I can do next week or next month or next year. It's in my bucket list. And it's like, that BS. You take it out of your bucket list then. Bring it into your life. Make it happen. Because tomorrow is promised to no man or woman. And if you don't do it today, it's not going to. I suppose I should be honest with you, not that I'm trying to hide anything. One of the things that changed my life in a profound way was I am a mountain biker. I ride mountain bikes and have for, you know, for a long time. And I don't want to think about how long. And I was on a bike ride in 2016. And we were riding and one of my friends, I turn around, he's not there. And we were in a very safe area. This was not dangerous or, or by any stretch of the imagination. And we turned around and we rode back and we rode back and there he was. And he was off the trail. He had crashed and he had died. Yeah. And he, we think, had some type of major event 
cerebral hemorrhage, maybe a massive heart attack. The family never did an autopsy, so we don't know what happened. But he did not crash his bike and die. He died and then crashed his bike. And he was 62. And it was really at that moment when I I looked at the bank account and I sat down with the wife and I said, what do we need? What do we have to have? What's enough? Really, I'm on the hamster wheel here. How hard do I have to run for how long? So I had that wake-up call, that slap in the face, if you will. There's a video about that experience on my channel and how it affected me and changed me. And it just, it, there it was, it writ large. What are you going to do? How are you going to make the most of the rest of your life, Nick? Are you still working? Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you still serve your clients and things like that? No, I know I sold my business to my employees, so I do not work in the profession that I had. I do work at the gym for pay. I am trying to build this YouTube channel in a way where it can bring in some money, which would be really nice. And I am starting to look at my skill set and figure out, okay, maybe some nonprofits could use help with fundraising videos. What can I do at a lesser price point, if you will. I don't need to make what I used to make. It's it's different, but I have a lot of skills. So I'm trying to figure out who can I, who can I help out with the skills that I have uh, just because I feel I should give back. And I don't want to do it for free because I have found when you do things for free, people don't value them. Exactly. And all of a sudden, the whole dynamic and the relationship changes and you're no longer an expert. You're the guy doing it for free. So the money, frankly, is more like you need to pay attention. You're paying me to do this. So pay attention and respect what I'm doing. I like that you're helping out nonprofit organizations because it's a great way to utilize your skill, talent, and experience to help somebody else. And the fact that you're charging them a little bit of money means they have a little skin in the game. And That's exactly right. Yep, right. They can have ownership of the project. And in today's world, someone who worked in messaging and branding and creative development and that type of thing, these nonprofits or the agencies that you know I'm going to be working with, they should have some type of strategy around all of this stuff. And they should have some type of budget around all of this stuff if they're going to be viable over long term. So it's also a little bit of tough love. Look, it's great that you're doing whatever you're doing, but you are a business and, and you need to behave like a business if you want to serve these people for a long time. So it works on that level as well. Before you turned 50, what was the thing that you were most proud of having accomplished? Oh, sitting down most nights and having dinner with my family. I, I was very purposeful in the type of life that I wanted to have. And I got married. I was, I don't know, 31, maybe. Our first child was born, Alessandra, and she was born. She's disabled. She has cerebral palsy, which is its own kind of story. She's great now. She doesn't live with us anymore. She lives in a supportive living situation. And her sister, a couple of years later, came. And there were points in my life where I could have grown my business bigger. I could have made more money and what I would have sacrificed was time with my family. And 
at the end of the day, the thing that I want is relationships in my life. And I grew up in an Italian, a large Italian family where being together was important. And so that translated to me and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do with my wife and my children. So I got to coach my kids' teams as appropriate. I got to go to Challenger Sports with Alessandra, and I got to do other sports with Daniela. And I was around and I volunteered at the schools, in the athletic leagues. And last night, I went into San Francisco with my 24-year-old daughter, and we have a great relationship, and we went to the theater. So when I look at what I'm most proud of, it's that. What I'm most surprised about is that I am retired at 60. I was the first one in my family to go to university who really never planned on building a business. That was just not something that I thought I would do. I started out in the news business. I was a news photographer, videographer. I was a news editor. I worked in a television station. And just over time, it just worked out that I was good at certain things that allowed me to build a business and grow the business in the way I did. So that was pretty surprising. That that can be stressful working for a TV station because the news happens and you get the assignment. You got to go out here at this moment and cover this story. And I can imagine that can put a crimp on your lifestyle, especially when you're trying to raise children. And so starting a business is probably a good way to utilize your skills without having to put up with those time constraints that come with TV studios. Yeah. I was doing that before I got married and I realized really quickly that for a couple of reasons, it wasn't what I wanted to do. One reason is what you cite. It is a very intense profession. You have never seen people go into the bar faster after the newscast and drink more in the two hours before closing time. It was like, wow, these people are, I will say this. I worked in San Francisco. I have never worked with a group of smarter people in a small newsroom. It was like everyone in that room was smart and was motivated and was like on their A game. And when I went to work in the corporate world, I was just blown away by how many people who were B players and C players in these companies. I was like, holy cow, you have a job. But yeah, for sure, it's a, it's not in the long run, what I knew would be good for me. And frankly, it got boring from an intellectual standpoint. I was running a camera or editing. I was basically doing this and repeat work every day. It's like, get the equipment ready, go out, put it on your shoulder, get the story. There was nothing that was challenging in the way that my business ended up challenging. Oh, that's neat. So that your business provided you with that sense of purpose that you The job at the TV station gave you the training and the skills you needed, but the sense of purpose came with pursuing your business. I think that's a really cool way of looking at it as well. Yeah. And I think that what I learned from that experience is where you start out is not where you're going to end up. So when I came out of school with a radio television degree and I ended up in a television station, that was my goal. Then I realized that's not what I want to do for the rest of it. And it was through making a move and taking a chance that I realized that 
I had other skills that were more valuable than holding a camera. And I took that to this part of my life where as I looked out at retirement after the event where my friend died on the bike ride, and I like, what do you want in your life? What is it that you want to make do with the rest of your life? That's why I became a personal trainer. One of the things that I do is I connect with people. I listen to them. And then I help them formulate a plan that works for them. Because that's what that is all about. And we can get into that in a second if you care to. And then I also realized that I wanted, when I looked at my plan for the rest of my life, I could make YouTube videos. Why can't I do this? It was, it is dramatically different than I thought it would be. I was making videos for corporations and those videos were expensive and there was a whole process to them. And then coming over to YouTube, I thought I would just be a slam dunk and I'd be like, oh, this will be easy. It's not easy. It's very different. It's a very different discipline. And over the last three or four years, I've been working really hard at learning something new, which actually is great. It like is interesting and challenging. As we get older, interesting and challenging, hard. I think those are really good things. I agree. Otherwise, you atrophy and you wind up on the couch watching the old reruns of television or surfing the internet for the latest depressing news that's out there. So yes, right. keeping your mind sharp with interesting and challenging is a good thing. How and old were you when you started your business? That would be, I had the opportunity to leave a company and go out and join a firm become become a part owner in a media company in 97 so i think i was 40 38 39 something somewhere in there and i was there for 10 years and then i decided that i needed to have my own business which i did in 2009 and that's when i was the principal in my agency so you were about you were over 50 at that point yeah yeah yeah, I well, I was 46. I think I was 46. I just turned 46. 60. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. good. When you started this YouTube channel, what did that entail? Did it require any changes to your lifestyle or additional training or financial investment? So I'll take those one by one. Okay. When I started the YouTube channel, it was the beginning of COVID. Literally, I sold my business and signed the paperwork like a week before our first COVID shutdown. Wow. Place. Yeah, it just happened. And so for the first year, I really dug into kind of education and understanding the ins and outs of YouTube. And I treated it very much like a business. The startup costs for it are dramatically different than they were just 10 years ago. Oh, the the type of camera that I have now is a $2,000 camera. 20 years ago, it would have been $30,000 camera to get the same type of image quality. The whole cost of entry into the computer for editing, video equipment that I needed, all of that. And I did it in a professional way because of my background, I'm probably into it for $7,000. Wow. Uh, for significantly really, less than what one camera used to cost. Oh, it, what I used to have on my shoulder when I was shooting new 
was was a $75,000 camera lens. And honestly, the quality that comes out of a cell phone, a more recent Apple iPhone, the video quality and the audio quality, if someone wanted to start a YouTube channel with that device, they absolutely 100% could. You know, that device, a tripod and a couple of lights, and you can do it. Because one of the beautiful things about YouTube is that it's not necessarily what we would call the production quality. It's much more about the storytelling and what your audience is looking for. Can you find that? Because I think that all of us who are on the internet, what we used to accept as quality television or movie making We still love that. We still watch that, but we consume all kinds of content that is not professional in the way that we used to think it. And that was just a huge kind of like door that opened. And one of the things where I'm like, oh my goodness, I can do really nice work very inexpensively. That's a good point because the videos don't have to be professional anymore because people are just wanting the information that's consumed by it. I was watching one the other day where a woman was created a video on how to make Brussels sprouts for crying out loud. And she had thousands of views. It's it's absolutely true. The one thing I would say is sound quality is very important. Oh, sound quality is very important, but the visual quality, unless you're showing something like you can't see what the person is explaining, that might be a problem. Did your wife support your decision to retire early? Yeah, she did. My wife knew that I, Let me start that again for you. So my wife was instrumental in me making the decision to sell my business and retire. I, coming up on 30 years, married here, and we've been through a lot together, a lot of life. And I wasn't going to go into a decision like that without discussing it with my wife. And she had known that I was less than thrilled with what I was doing. It had become a grind and more than a grind, it had become boring and she wants me to be happy. And when we sat down and did the numbers and looked at what was what and said, okay, we can do this. She was totally, and there's been an adjustment for sure. Living within a certain budget and being around each other more than we ever have been. Those are things that we're navigating. Luckily, she's super busy and has very varied interests, and I have varied interests. Um, And so we have separate lives, and when we come together, we are together, and it's wonderful. How did your friends who are still working respond to your decision to retire early? You're going against the grain. You have to work until you can collect Social Security, right? That's the only time you can officially retire is once you get to that age. And that keeps going up and up every year. It varied. The response that I had to retiring early from my friends varied from genuine joy and happiness for me to what the heck are you doing? You should still be working. And I am not going to tell you that retirement is easy because it's not. And what I mean by that is the transition from working and making money and achieving and doing those types of things as a man. And then all of a sudden not doing those things is hard, worthwhile, but hard. 
And I have friends and have had conversations with certain of my male friends. They just have no idea what they would do. If I didn't work, I don't know what I would do. And with confusion and bafflement in their voice and their eyes. And I get it. I get it. For me, I said, all right, I'm going to be a personal trainer. I'm going to start this YouTube channel. I have some things that I'm going to do. And so even having that transition, the transition is difficult. And I had other friends who were just very happy for me, happy that I was in a financial place where I could actually do it. And then I was going to pull the trigger and make that decision to retire. It's a problem because a lot of men are tied into their professions. When you meet somebody new on the street, it's always, what do you do? What do, how do you make your money? What is your career kind of thing? And the unfortunate thing is when people over 50 are pushed out of their career or their job or ushered to the sidelines and given less and less responsibility, people, fewer people reporting to them, et cetera, it kind can be demoralizing because their identity is tied to that. That's why I like your idea of having something else to do, a thing that you can be passionate about immediately after you leave your job because you you sold your business and you started this. So there was no sitting around golfing all day, fishing all day, watching the news. You just had something else to do. I really like that. And Greg, I think that is so critical. If people listening to this, if they are pre-retirement and or even retired, it's this idea of your life's not over. It really isn't. And you probably have more opportunities to to embrace new things than you've ever had before. It takes a little bit of courage and effort. Boy, is it eye-opening and refreshing to enter into new things. One of the benefits that I did not expect about working at the gym and something that I would really encourage people to look at is in working at a gym, I am surrounded by coworkers who are half my age. The worldview that they have, the energy that they have, the viewpoints, conversations with them. My life would be dramatically different if I was siloed off in just my age group away from those people. Exactly. It opens my eyes to things. It invigorates me. I'm not going to say it makes me feel younger, but it's certainly because I don't have a problem with being older, but it's certainly I know that my life would be different if I wasn't talking to Bryn and to Max and to the kids at the gym, the kids, the 30 year olds. So boy, I, I totally was not prepared for that, had no idea that was even a thing. But it is a thing. And being around people of various ages is, I think, really important in how we age our viewpoint and how we are in the world as we kind of get to this last phase of our life. One of the challenges for you must have been trying to build an audience from scratch. How did you do that? Or what have you done that's worked? Building an audience on YouTube is very difficult. and. Frankly, the age demographic that I'm in, there are not a lot of regular YouTube 
users as it would be if I was trying to reach 30-year-olds who have always had YouTube. It's new. The way that I went about building an audience, obviously, you start with friends and family first to get it up and running. And then you make videos that are what's called searchable, that people are going to look for so that it will be served to them when they're on YouTube. So my top performing videos are videos around ARP. One is what is ARP? And I go into detail on what it is and the business behind it and things like that. It's a little bit of a newsy kind of piece. And then another one is made decisions on what I wanted my relationship with ARP to be. And those videos continually get views and then people go to my channel or YouTube will serve them other videos that I've made. And so there is a strategy on getting found on YouTube. And it is at first around making videos that people are gonna find and then hopefully they see Nick and they watch the video and they're like, oh, this guy's like me and he's a certain age and I like who he is. What else is this guy doing? And then they go over to my channel and they see the van video or recent me hanging out with my friends or whatever I'm, videos that I've made. And the idea, frankly, is much like the television shows that we grew up watching, you have to form a relationship with the character in the show. So if it was Happy Days, were you a Richie fan or were you a Fonz fan? Why did you come back to that show? Or if it was Friends, were you a Joey fan or were you a, a Jennifer Aniston fan? It's, it's the same idea, which is, do I want to spend time with this guy, Nick? That's what it comes down to. So I need to create content that is interesting, that has a story to it, that is relevant to, and then I need to not be a total tool when I'm on camera. That's great. What kind of rewards have you received from pursuing this new venture in your life? The first one is education, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Really, I like learning. I like doing new things. So there's that. I have formed relationships. I'm part of a mastermind group with other older YouTubers. I have formed relationships and done like the way we connected. Dan, someone I met in a class, connected us, and here I am. That's been a big benefit. I've learned things because there's a component of continuing education in the content that I'm making. So not only am I learning the YouTube business, if I'm doing a video on ARP or the top five things that you should be doing to remain young, those things circle back into my life. I learn about them. And frankly, a lot of stuff that I'm researching, I'm incorporating into my life. One of the biggest issues that we deal with as we get older is loneliness. And as a man, the likelihood that you're going to be lonely is way higher than a woman. And so one of the things I'm doing in my life right now is really focusing on the male relationships that I have and making them stronger. So as I get older, I have people to hang out with. I recently was given a trip on a cruise because of a video I had made. One of the goals I had in starting this YouTube channel was to get trades. I would make a video and then someone would see the video and then they would, they would offer me like free travel, essentially. And so my wife and I went on a cruise with Uncruise. Uncruise is a, 
uh, a cruise line that has ships with 100 people or less. So they're adventure cruises, they're small boats. We went to Alaska and I made a video about the trip because I think that the people in my audience on my YouTube channel would like to see the trip and maybe consider it. And that's why I made the video. But I did send the link to the PR people at Uncruise. And it was really just a short video, short email where I just said, look, if you're interested in this, let's talk. And they were very interested. They bought the footage from the video. So I made some money there. And then they asked if I wanted to go on a Columbia River cruise as media. And so they, they put me up and they paid for my flight. And I went on this cruise at no cost. And so that was really exciting. And it, it was great. And, and when I compare it to my old life, like I wouldn't have returned their email. I'm like, no, we get paid real money to do this. But at this phase, it's like, we'll give you a cruise. I'm like, okay, that's fair trade. I'm in. And so I'm hoping to get more of that. I'm hoping that those types of opportunities present themselves more often. Do you have any regrets after starting this? Or if you had to start over, would you do anything differently? I don't have any regrets about starting my YouTube channel. I am struggling with this idea of chasing subscribers or chasing views. As someone who was successful in business, as someone who's wired a certain way, right? I want to grow this channel and I want it to be big. I, this is what I want. And to do that, you have to kind of kowtow to certain subject matters that you think your audience is going to follow. Using the ARP videos as an example. Between you and me, Greg, I don't want to make ARP videos. That's not really what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is going to Alaska on a cruise and making that video or doing the van trip and making that video. That's not necessarily the fastest way to grow a channel. So I've been struggling with the content that I want to make versus the content that I, if that makes sense. Very much. So, right. And so I'm starting a second channel in addition to the channel I have. And that channel is called Hidden California. And what that channel is going to be about is traveling to out of the way, lesser visited spots in California. And the reason I'm doing that channel is threefold. One, I want to go and visit Hidden California. I want to go to these spots. Two, I can really get into the cinematography, the camera work and making images that I really enjoy. And so there's that part of it. And the third thing is I like history. And so there's going to be a little bit of history in this when I go to these places. And that'll help with the storytelling. Now, the reason I'm, I started this channel is because I'm not going to chase views with that channel. I'm going to do that because I want to do that. And I'm probably going to look at the videos on Make the Most as a variation on those or a little bit different. I'm, I haven't quite figured it out. So I guess my regret would be that I didn't follow my passion purely as early as I really should have, because I didn't have to chase views. I'm not in a position where if my YouTube channel doesn't pay me out, we're going to lose the house or I'm going to starve. So my regret would be that I didn't spend enough time really thinking about what I wanted right now and in the future. I allowed my old business brain, I think, to make some early decisions 
that probably wasted a little bit of time. Earlier in the interview, you had mentioned formulating plans for people. Is this something, a service that you provide to clients? That would be life coaching stuff, I think, right? That's what that would be. I'm not a life coach. I'm certainly not something that I would charge people to do. I have thoughts about it. I have experience in it. If someone really wanted to talk to me, I would probably talk to them about my experiences, understanding that they're my experience. I think that the biggest thing that people can do is to play their life forward. And there's something I do with my daughter. There's something I do with my typical daughter, Daniela, who is 24. And she's in that part of her life where she's making decisions. And I say, let's doomsday it. Let's play this forward. And you tell me the absolute worst thing that's going to happen. And in almost all cases, the worst thing that's going to happen isn't that bad. It's through the process of laying it forward that you realize I can recover from that. That's not, which we can recover from almost anything if it's not health related. And so for people of our age, or maybe who are thinking about retirement, I think it's really important for them to sit down and figure out like, what do I want the next 20, 30 years of my life to be like? And the place that I suggest when I talk to friends and people like, oh, you're retired. What are you doing? I'm like, what are your passions? What are the things that you love to do? And how can you take the thing that you're doing currently that's feeding your family? And how can you transition that in a way where you kind of remove the financial? Something that I really thought long and hard about, and I had this kind of revelation is we work all of our lives and our identity becomes wrapped up in what we do. And then when you retire, that's taken away from you and you don't have that. What if you could take your skill set and you could give it to people for a low cost as an advisor? You could be on an advisory board. You can be a consultant. You can do things so you are using the expertise and experience that you have and you're able to pay that forward and provide it to people who don't have that. And it gives you relevance career-wise you still feel like you're part of the mix, gives you new social connections because right, you're going to meet new people, keeps you learning because you're going to be learning about things. I think it's really important as people plan forward and they look forward in their lives, are there things that they could do? For me, that happened to be a YouTube channel. For me, I love physical fitness. I go to the gym, always have, mostly always have. And so personal training became like, it's a natural extension. I'm like, yeah, I would these were things that made sense to me. And I think if people ahead and really mindfully think about their lives and what happens after they stop their job, they can help create that. Don't be passive. Don't let it happen to you. Because there are three things that I realized when I retired that I think most retired people are going to deal with. One, whatever business you're in, when you stop working, they forget you immediately, okay? They're on to the next person they need to do whatever it was that you're doing, all right? You're gonna all of a sudden lose a lot of your social connections. We don't think about it, but there's a huge amount of socializing that we do through our work and that goes away. 
And the third thing is for most of us who worked, our calendar was filled in by our job. You're working five days a week and during every day you have things to do. You take all that away, your calendar is empty. And that may be the biggest thing that, that where people get stuck. But those kind of three things, you need to figure out how to stay relevant. You definitely need to be able to have and create lasting social bonds. And you need to have something to, in fact, you need more than one thing to do. You need multiple things to do. So you don't sit there, as you said, TV, railing at your cable news outlet, you know, of choice and becoming your father or your grandfather. We love those folks. We don't have to live the lives that they lived. That is excellent advice, Nick. I really appreciate that. How can people connect with you if they would like to talk with you or follow you on your YouTube channel? The easiest way to connect with me really is to enter, go to YouTube and enter in my first name and my last name. And you're going to link to this, I assume, somewhere. So that'll show up as well. And then on that page, if you go to the community tab, um, there is a way to email me. It's my YouTube email and I field questions and queries through my YouTube email. Of course, I would be very interested in partnering with other YouTubers of our, my age. I'm open to business opportunities as long as they're consistent with kind of what I'm doing. I'm an open book at this point. Hopefully, people will check out my channel and click around on my homepage and subscribe because I'd really like to grow this community larger. One of the things that is often overlooked on YouTube, especially for those of us who aren't regular YouTube users, is the community feel and function of a lot of these channels. So when you watch a video, if you follow a channel, you can lose, you can leave comments. If you follow a channel, if you watch someone over and over on YouTube, you can leave comments on their page. And what happens on the bigger channels, and this is something I aspire to, is people talk to each other and people support each other. And it's really an, a, a place in a way where people of like minds come together around this channel and then they find each other. And one of the things that I would really love to be able to provide is to have a channel big enough that was actually happening. So if you do come and you do watch videos, leave a comment because I would love to hear from you. That's great. Thank you very much for your time today, Nick. I certainly appreciate it and wish you the best of luck in 2023. And Greg, it's been my pleasure to spend time with you and thank you for asking me on to, what's the name of your channel? Forward from 50. So Greg, thank you so much for having me on Forward from 50. I am a big fan of what you're doing and I was honored that you wanted to talk to me and hopefully your readers and your listeners will gain value from this. And hopefully they cruise on over to YouTube and send an email, drop a comment, watch a video, somehow connect with, uh, with Make the Most of the Rest of Your Life. Nick Litwanio has a great purpose in helping people over 50 to make the most of the rest of their lives. His YouTube channel gives a nod toward having a limited amount of time left in this life. We do have a choice and we can make life what we want it to be or we can resign ourselves to living the type of life most seniors did in the past when they just watched television all day long. 
Nick is correct in saying that we really do have an opportunity to create the type of life we want. For the first time in our lives, the guardrails are off and we have time available to do the things that we've been afraid to do, or that we haven't had time to do. I really appreciated Nick's perspective on bucket lists as being excuses for not doing things we dream about doing right now. It's human nature to put off to someday the things that are important or which could be memorable if we took action to do it today. The problem is, someday may never arrive. What I like most about Nick's videos is that he is authentic. He's not hiding behind filters and showcasing an unrealistic dream life promoted by many so-called influencers today. He creates content about things that are interesting to him, but in a way that makes it relevant to his listeners. Rather than adopting a, hey, look at me, I'm amazing and wonderful approach to life, Nick says, hey, I found this to be fun and interesting, and I think you'd enjoy it too. After all, as Nick so eloquently noted, we need more than one thing to do in retirement to be happy and productive. In fact, we need multiple things to do. Don't just sit there watching television and railing at your cable company while turning into your father or grandfather. You do not need to live the life they did. Make the most of the rest of your life. To connect with Nick and subscribe to his Make the Most YouTube channel, visit www.youtube.com forward slash at sign make the most or email him at nicklitcreator at gmail.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help planning your next steps, I'd enjoy an opportunity to have a phone call or meet on Zoom to do some brainstorming. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. Next time, I'll be speaking with a woman who left a 35-year career as a paralegal to start doing things she's always wanted to do. In fact, she earned a medal in the Arizona Senior Olympics for powerlifting less than six months after lifting her first weight. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Forward from 50 podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.